Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. And today we are talking about delegation. As a leader, you will be doing more and more delegating as you progress. So taking the time to get really good at it and developing that skill is a great investment. So I'll start with a quick story about the moment I realized the importance of delegation. And this was when I was a first-time manager and I thought I could do it all myself and I was getting more and more work. And so I was like, oh, I'll just work harder and longer and work more to fill those gaps. And what that left me with was 70 to 80 hour work weeks. I stopped going to the gym. I hoovered up granola bars in the kitchen. I didn't sleep well people in the hall would stop me and ask if I was okay randomly. That's never a good sign. And I also had back-to-back meetings all day, every day. If you looked at my calendar for the week, it was like this solid monolithic rectangle. And one day I remember I came in, I was really tired. I was trying to wake up and I was looking at my calendar through the day and I noticed I was triple booked for one time slot. So I had three meetings. And so I was like, oh my gosh, okay which two am I going to decline? And it was starting to stress me out. And as I was doing that, a fourth meeting, a fourth meeting invite came in for that time slot. And I stopped and I am not a crier. I don't like crying at the office. I don't like crying in front of people. But in that moment, I just lost it. And I just started bawling and like sobbing at my desk. Um, And that was the catalyst for me to rethink my role as a manager and as a leader and understanding that through self-reflection and conversations with my boss and colleagues and friends and family and all that, that it's not my job to do it all. And it's not my job to be the best at everything. And instead it's, instead it's to make my team successful and manage and coach my team members to make the team strong as a whole. And part of that is accepting and really embracing delegating things to other people. So that's a personal story about how I started with delegation. And through the years, it's been great building up that skill. It's kind of like learning how to golf at the beginning where it's kind of like by rote, like position your hands and shoulders and align your hips with your feet and everything. And then once you get a full swing and it's natural, you get that whack, it's so satisfying. And I can't tell you the number of people who for some reason, don't get training on this or don't get help with this or don't know how to do this. And once they unlock that for themselves, it opens up this whole new area of leadership for them and a whole new breathing room for them to do what they need to do and focus their time well. So with all that said, let's get into it. What is delegation? So a quick definition is delegation is the process of redistributing a task or responsibility from yourself to another person. Okay, so then why, why is delegation good? Like, what, what is good about delegating? First of all, it gives you more time. That's probably the obvious one. It gives you more time. Secondly, it helps the person you're delegating to. And people miss that one. They think, oh, it's a burden. I'm just giving more work to a person. And if delegation is done right, it's a time for them to step up and really show their stuff. And they can learn that they can do something they didn't think they could do. So you're helping them learn and grow. And this could be something like, oh, I'm going to have you run this team meeting. Oh, like I'm going to I'm going to run that team meeting. Okay. Or you're going to help prepare this report. Like you're going to do this section and actually present that at the board meeting. Oh my gosh, like me at the board meeting. Okay. Like let me get my stuff together and like really show my stuff here. So it gives you more time. It helps the person you're delegating to and it helps you move up. Because if there's no one to replace you, you're not going to move up as a leader. So why is it good to delegate? Delegation is an investment in both you and your team. 
Further, as you move up in leadership roles, your scope of responsibility expands and the way you deliver value changes. We talked about that in the Adding Value in a New Way episode. And with that new responsibility, you're delegating more and or in new or different ways. And this can be uncomfortable for a lot of people. They can get uncomfortable at each level of delegation. And so they just don't do it or they do it reluctantly or they avoid it to their detriment. So what are five common barriers to delegation? So I'll read the five and then we'll go into each one a little bit more in depth. So the five are perfectionism, imposter syndrome, lack of capacity, urgency, and involvement bias. So perfectionism, this is where no one else can do it as well as I can, and this one needs to be 100% right. We have to get full accuracy. The fix here is letting go of control and understanding and remembering that mistakes are when we learn. So giving your team freedom to experiment and considering it an opportunity to coach and grow your staff. And if you think about that, your job as a leader, your main job as a leader is to coach and grow your staff. So this is a huge opportunity for that. A kicker here is you might be surprised when your team member does something better than you. And as a recovering perfectionist, the first time this happens, it's going to sting a little bit, but then you're like, bring it on. Like, just keep doing that. You're making my life easier. You're making the team look good. Fantastic. The second barrier is imposter syndrome. So this is where I'm scared to do something because I know I'm not the greatest at it. And if someone else does it better, it might make me look bad. People will find out I'm not good and they'll want to replace me. And the fix here is really leaning into my success as a manager is not from my individual performance, it's from the team's performance and my ability to lead that team. So when your team succeeds, you succeed. When your team member does something really well, that's a reflection of you. The third barrier is lack of capacity. And I hear this one a lot. Emily, I can't, I can't possibly give something to my team. Everyone is swamped. The fix here is... Really take inventory of if everyone is really swamped and is really at capacity. Most teams aren't at capacity. So uh, maybe some team members are. In fact, some team members are probably at 110% capacity and some others are at 60, 70, maybe 50 or 60%. So really take a look at that carefully and thoroughly before you just throw out the flag and make the call like everyone's, everyone's slammed. But if that is the case, for example purposes, let's say that is the case that everyone's at full capacity, it might be a training and hiring move here. You might need additional staff to do the work. It might be putting together some training materials to help the work be easier and to make it go faster for your team. So that might be some upfront work to put together a step-by-step -step training guide, but if it reaps dividends in the future and in the long run, it might be what you need to do there. Next barrier, fourth barrier, is urgency. So this is, Emily, I can't delegate. It's more trouble than it's worth. I can do this in 15 minutes, and it's going to take someone else two days to do it. The fix here is remembering that you're faster at it because you're used to doing it. And if you give someone else a chance to develop that skill, they might be fast or proficient at that as well. Don't get trapped in that vicious cycle of, I'm the only one who can do it because I'm the only one who can do it. Give someone else the chance to do it. And here again, they might find a more efficient way to complete that task. So they might come back to you in five minutes and go, here you go, it's all done. And you go, oh, okay, well, my way was intentionally the scenic route and that was a test for you, you passed, good job. The fifth and final barrier to delegation is involvement bias. This is assuming that your involvement is critical. And this is a very slippery and very steep slope to micromanagement. So if you're checking in on every little thing to make sure it's going okay, that is involvement bias. The fix here is 
Again, that mindset of letting go and really trusting your team, trusting that you've got the right people in the right seats on your team and knowing that other people besides you are capable and they bring great things to the table as well. A key point here is if something does go wrong, Use that as an opportunity to learn. That's a huge, important moment right there. So celebrate the mistake, which sounds weird, but celebrate that mistake, especially if someone's intentions were good and intentions were in the right direction and the outcome wasn't quite what it needed to be or didn't happen to fall where it needed to fall. Reinforce and praise them for being proactive and being decisive and going after something. That's what you need on the team, more so than someone sitting there with their head down, not moving and waiting to be told exactly what to do. Okay, so those were some common barriers to delegation. How do we delegate well? If we want to become good at delegation, what are some things we can think about? So I'll make some general comments here, and then we'll go into six specific steps on how to delegate well. So general comment-wise, delegation is not just telling people what to do. It's not barking orders at people. That's not the same thing at all. Also, you can't delegate everything. So there are some things that you should keep on your plate. So don't try to delegate everything. That's not the point of the process. And a theme you can keep in mind as you go through these six steps is you want to expand your influence and decrease your personal execution. So expand your influence and decrease your personal execution. All right, so six steps on how to delegate well. Number one, decide what to delegate. So take a look at what you have on your plate and decide which things are most appropriate for you to keep. So that could be creating a team budget or maybe making a decision on purchasing a major system or tool that all of your team is going to use. You as a manager might have access or the right level of responsibility to make those decisions. So you focus there. Other things like working on an urgent bug or creating a white paper or maybe drafting a press release could go to somebody else. A key point here. You can delegate authority as well as tasks. So it's not just I'm giving you something to do. It might be I'm giving you autonomy to make a decision. You can approve certain decisions. So keep an eye out for that too. Next step, second step, identify the best person to delegate to. And this might not be the same person every time. In fact, it probably shouldn't be if you don't want to overburden them or make people jealous or whatever. Pair someone's strengths and interests with the tasks that you're delegating. And I always say, if you can align someone's skill set, strength, and what they want to do with the company's objective, that's the golden path. Number three, clearly communicate expectations. I heard a colleague once kind of shout as he was leaving his office, do the thing, like get back to me on the thing. And I thought, unless he just had a conversation with his team member about the thing, that is probably not the best guidance or direction. So how do we clearly communicate expectations? What is the outcome or end result that we're going towards? Explain that to the person you're delegating to. So what is the end result? And then leave the how to them as much as possible. So define the what, here's what we're going after, and then leave the how to them with with giving them major guideposts or considerations. Like, hey, we only have this much budget or like don't go over this or we can't do X, Y, and Z legally speaking or whatever. So big stuff like that, give them those guideposts. Otherwise, leave the how to them. Another really helpful thing you can do is give them the prioritization among their other tasks. So you've just added something to their plate. So you might make it clear, hey, these three things we were working on before, they get bumped down. This one's more important. However, if we get that one email we've been waiting for from that client, that takes first priority, like drop everything else and jump on that. So just make sure you're on the same page with prioritization. Next, define the win. Is there a timeline? Is there a deadline? Is there a drop dead date? Make sure the person knows that. 
I've been guilty of this and I've done all the things that I just said really well, like the outcome, the guidepost, the context, prioritization, but I forgot to tell them when it was due. And so my poor team member came in the next morning, like bleary eyed and with a huge cup of coffee. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? What, what happened? And she was like, I was working on the project you gave me all night. And I was like, that's not due for two weeks. I'm so sorry. And I felt terrible. So definitely be clear about when things are expected to be done. And the last thing here is I would end kind of this clear expectations with someone. I would end it with, um, I'm here for questions, but this is yours now. Like my expectation is this is yours. Like you're going to run with this until you can't run anymore. And if you have questions, I'm here to support you, but you're, this is your baby now. Step number four, provide appropriate training. So this is all about taking the time up front. And it's a little bit counterintuitive because you're like, delegation is supposed to give me more time, and now I'm having to take more time. But it's upfront time that will be beneficial in the end, that will be worth it in the end. So this could come in the form of creating a step-by-step document. It might be in the form of creating a video, like a Loom video, where you share your screen and kind of talk someone through. It could also be in the form of scheduling a real, real-time uh, meeting with someone for 30 minutes or 60 minutes and walking them through like, hey, here's how I do it. You do it your way, but here's what I've done in the past, or here's what others have talked about in the past. And then do you want to try it once while I'm here? I'll shadow you, and then I can answer any questions in real time. That sets people up for success really well. And remember that people want to do a good job. So if you take the time to set them up for success and give them all the tools they need, they'll have a higher likelihood of doing what you want them to do and feeling good about themselves for doing uh, something extra, something above and beyond. Step number five, establish check-ins. This can be especially helpful for longer projects, but it can be useful for medium or shorter projects as well. And it helps prevent you from swooping in at the slightest misstep. So if you have set check-ins, you can use those to ask, how's it going? And be a sounding board for anything that's coming up for them. And if things aren't going to plan, don't freak out. So this is not a blame game or like jumping to conclusions. This is a chance to be really curious and say, let me ask some open-ended questions. Can you walk me through that decision? Can you tell me more about, um, give them the opportunity to make mistakes, to learn, to try something in a new way, to do it differently, and then to get better. And remember, if you don't give them the opportunity to make mistakes or to learn or to try something new or to think about it in a different way, they're not going to get any better. Sixth and final step, celebrate the work and provide feedback. So this is often overlooked and you should definitely do it because it's one of the most fun parts um, and it means a lot to people. So when they complete a task or a decision or something you've delegated, celebrate that with them. Express your appreciation, praise them in public if it makes sense. You can mention it in a team meeting, you can mention it at an all company meeting. We used to have a company-wide Slack channel, like a kudos channel I could mention things in and people love that. So it, it just helped engender and build trust with your team as well. So if they're thinking, oh, you know, Emily doesn't take credit for everything I do. She shares that I accomplished something and I get to, you know, be proud of that with my team members. It's just this great thing to continue building up with your team members. And then do remember to check in with your team too, like individually say, how was this experience for you? What did you learn? Where did you get stuck? Is there something that could have gone differently from my end? Did you like working on this type of project? What does this make you think of in the future? All of those types of things. Get feedback for yourself as well. Okay, so those were the six steps to delegate well. We had decide what to delegate, identify the best person, clearly communicate expectations, provide the appropriate training, establish check-ins, and celebrate the work and provide feedback. So those should help you build up your delegation muscles. Two takeaways for this episode. 
First one is do a quick self-awareness exercise. So right now, when you hear the word delegate, what comes up for you? Are there any mindset barriers blocking you from being an effective delegator? And the five we talked about earlier, the five common ones, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, lack of capacity, urgency, and involvement bias. Are any of those coming up? Second takeaway, pick one thing to delegate this week. So as you're listening, you can just even go through those first two steps. So decide what to delegate. What's on my plate? Let me run through my mental list or look at a list or look at my calendar. What do I have on my plate? What are the things that I should keep? And what are some things that I can give away? And be honest here, push yourself. So set that intention to delegate something this week. I'm going to delegate something this week. And it's really funny when I go through this exercise with people, even the most reluctant delegators at the beginning kind of go through this process and go through this evolution where (laughs) at the beginning they're like, fine, technically I can delegate that. Technically, hypothetically, that task could be delegated to, yeah, I mean, okay, if I was on vacation, I would delegate that. So like, yes, okay, it could be delegated. And at the end, they go, actually, I should give that to Jason. He'd probably be really good at that and he'd love that. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. So there's always something you can find to delegate to someone. So start that process today and pick one thing to delegate this week. Okay, as I close this episode, I do want to give credit to the main source I use, which is Brian Nordley's article called How to Get Comfortable with Delegation, Accomplish More While Doing Less. I was interviewed for that article along with several other great people, and I thought I was just really impressed with what Brian did with that piece. I think it's a great resource on delegation, so I'll be sure to include that link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and I will catch you next week on Leveraging Leadership. This episode is brought to you by Next Level Coaching. If you or anyone you know would like to learn more about executive leadership coaching, please visit www.nextlevel.coach.